1: Good morning, and welcome to Lifelong Journey, a radio program hosted by the Office of Lifelong Faith Formation in the Archdiocese of Chicago. We are coming live. To, <laughs> we're coming to you from Chicago. My name is Clarissa Alantara, and I am your radio host this morning. I work in the Office of Lifelong Faith Formation as a ministry support coordinator and also the host of this uh, informational program. And with me this morning is Father Don Nevins. How are you this morning, Father Don?
2: I'm doing fine, thank you. Fine, thank you. How are you?
1: (laughs) I'm doing really well. I can't believe that, uh, you know, (laughs) summer has flown by. And um, I heard a lot of really good things about um, the masses that you were doing. And I thought, you know, even though it was after the fact, I definitely still wanted to have you on our radio program just to talk about what that experience was like. But before we jump into that, uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, your experience as a priest in the Archdiocese of Chicago, how long you've been around for, and a little bit about the community that you're in at St. At Agnes of Bohemia?
2: Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I've been a priest for a long time. Um, I think we're for 46 years. We've been 46 years uh, a priest. Um, I have predominantly served in the Hispanic community. Um, my first assignment as a, as an associate was at St. Anne in Pilsen. Um, I was also pastor at one point at St. Procopius in Pilsen, St. Francis of Assisi at Roosevelt and Halstead, and now... Four years, four or five years as the director of ministry formation, the the department of ministry formation for the archdiocese. Uh, so I lived at our major seminary in those years. Um, and here at Saint Agnes, um, we're in Little Village. Um, uh, Little Village is a, a a wonderful area of the city, which a lot of people don't know much about. Twenty um, sixth uh, Street is kind of the the main the main drag uh, coming through here. It's at one point before the pandemic, it was the second, um, what do I want to say, the, the second greatest um, uh, merchant area, or what do I want to say, uh, economic area of the city. Really? Only behind North Michigan Avenue. So um, it's a, um, it hit, hit pretty hard with COVID. Um, and uh, so we've had, uh, It's it's not, quite as uh, bustling as it was about uh, six or eight years ago, but uh, still a very vibrant community. So,
1: That's fantastic. You know, I uh, having lived in Chicago since 2010, I'm a transplant. Uh, I don't really know much about the area that you're speaking in, uh, in terms of, like, Little Village, Pilsen, you know, that area. But in the time that you've ministered there, I know this isn't one of the questions, but I feel, <laughs> I feel strong in asking it, but, you know, <laughs> What are some of the changes that you've really seen in the community since you have, you know, it sounds like a lot of your ministerial life ha- has been rooted in that area, give or take, for 40 years. You know, what are, you know, two or three of the biggest changes that you've seen for that population in that community?
2: Well, I think in this particular area here, in Little Village, I came here in 2008. Um, now, if you remember, 2008 was when the economy crashed. Um, many people were out of work. Um People who are usually on the lowest rungs of the scale are the first ones that are let go. Um, in, so we had a lot of unemployment in this area. But I think at the same time, one of the things that was happening was that, so Little, Pilsen and Little Village have both always been, or not always, but uh, for many, many, many years, been ports of entry for immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um, um, in, in Pilsen, uh, going back before the turn of the century, um we were talking about you know not only um uh germans and italians and, and greeks and um but then later on of many who were the um uh the poles and finally the hispanics um coming into uh pilsen we think of pilsen as a very hispanic area but until about 1960 65 it was not a hispanic area at all it was a very ethnic area um Many parishes, uh, each parish, you know, there's a Lithuanian parish, a Czech parish, a Bohemian parish, a Slovenian parish, a Slovakian parish, a um, um, uh, let me see what else was an Italian parish, uh, an Irish parish. All of those were all in Pilsen in one area which went from basically Halstead to Western. So you're talking about two miles wow. east-west and about a mile north-south. All those different communities were there. Um, little Village is, uh, it was similar in a sense, mostly Eastern European. Um, the change in becoming Hispanic was a little bit later, uh, more toward the late 60s, early 70s, um, and has been a very, very Hispanic uh, neighborhood, mostly Mexican, uh, Mexican-American. Um, one of the huge changes has been for both of these areas, they were ports of entry for immigrants, but immigration after 2008 or so, immigration really, from, from s- Central America especially, Mexico and Central America, really came almost to a halt. Um, part of it was um, government reg- regulations, part of it was there was no jobs, um, part of it was that people who were here were going back to Mexico because it was easier to live with family than to try to um, support themselves and get by uh, with very little prospects for jobs here. Um, so it, it's really been in um, the census between 2000 and 2010, and then we'll get the figures again uh, in the, for the 2020 census very soon, I'm sure, but both Pilsen and Little Village lost population and lost a lot of population. Um, Pilsen was like 12,000 Little Village is about 7,000 in 2010 and I'm sure that has continued so um, they're becoming Pilsen becoming more a gentrified area um, mm-hmm. young um, the, the millennials like to live fairly close to downtown and find those places where they can um, where it's uh, very convenient where they don't need cars and uh, Pilsen is a wonderful area um, here it's been not so much gentrification as just that the as the population gets older, um, and there aren't immigrants coming in to replace them, that it's uh, um, it's it's um, a community which is stable but um, uh, kind of losing population over the course of time. So
1: <laughs> the 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 history and the context in which you um are kind of sharing the communities is really is is wonderful and fascinating uh and i appreciate you kind of setting us up because i think that'll help in the next you know 40-ish minutes or so as we're kind of breaking open you know what what's been happening there so what we're going to do really right now is we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come right back okay
3: have an old bicycle that's not being used? Consider donating it to Catholic Charities Veterans Bike Project of Lake County. Skilled volunteers are refurbishing bicycles to make them safe and ready to be used by veterans to get to and from their new places of work. We also gratefully accept financial contributions that are used to purchase bike helmets and other safety accessories. Our veterans have faithfully served the United States and now it is our privilege to serve them. For more information on the Veterans Bike Project of Lake County, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219.
4: We've been together in spirit and now when you are ready our doors are open wide Nuestras puertas están abiertas de par en
2: par Nasze drzwi są and we're here to welcome you back to Catholic Mass
1: morning, and we're back with Lifelong Journey, a radio program hosted by the Office of Lifelong Faith Formation in the Archdiocese. And with me this morning is Father Don Nevins. Uh, he's coming to us from uh, St. Agnes of Bohemia in the community of Little Village here in Chicago. And before the break, we were, we were talking a little bit about, you know, just about the communities in general of, of both uh, Little Village and Pilsen and, and kind of just setting the stage. Uh, one of the the reason that Father Don came on and, and kind of accepted the invitation this morning was just talk about some of the masses that, that you were doing in the summer uh, in the community of little, little Village. And I was wondering if you could t- talk a little bit more about, you know, how how the idea came about and how long you'd been doing some of those masses for.
2: Sure. Um, and let me put out a disclaimer in the beginning. I didn't start the masses. Um, they they preceded me. Um at least in Father Matt Foley's time and maybe back to Bishop Mann's. I don't know um, how far back our uh, um, kind of tradition of celebrating uh, street masses during the summer goes. But um, part of the reason this year especially, and, and I was just interested to see that um, um, the little uh, kind of announcement in between here with the Cardinal and with some of the, the priests there, welcoming people back. And Um, one of the things, uh, because I really wanted to push things this year a little bit more than even in previous years, because uh, I remember there was a, um, we were the deans had gotten a a video from, I think it was Catholic leadership. And um, I remember viewing the video and the the title of it was What Happens If They Don't Come Back? Mm -hmm. And it it was interesting because um, I I think we all kind of were hoping that once we could open the doors again, we could be celebrating masses without having restrictions uh, or very few restrictions, that people would really come flocking back. And the question was, well, what happens if they don't? Mm
4: -hmm.
2: And it was an interesting question because his response was, it's the wrong question. Uh, The question shouldn't be what happens if they don't come back. The challenge should be, what do we need to do to bring people back? People become very um, comfortable, I think, in sitting down at home on a Sunday morning and uh, maybe watching the cardinal or maybe watching somebody else, uh, a mass that they view, or maybe from, uh, they could watch one of our masses. They could watch one from many different uh, parishes that were live streaming masses. Um, and it gets to be kind of a comfortable thing to do. And th- the question is, why would people not want to continue doing that? Um, What would we offer that would be better? What would we offer that would make them want to come back? And so um, I think one of our ideas was to look this year and say, um, as we celebrate these street masses, we really need to get the word out um, that we're celebrating the masses, but then also invite people to to come back to say, okay, you were here now, tonight, uh, this is Tuesday, this is Thursday. But, you know, things are open in church. Uh, we really are wanting people to come back, and we'd like to extend the invitation. Um, one of the things that we do in the, the, our tradition has been... Now, we couldn't obviously didn't do them last year in 2020 because of the pandemic. We You couldn't even have 50 people together outside. But um, uh, one of the things that's been our tradition is... On, so we do the Masses on Tuesday and Thursday evenings. On Monday and Wednesday evenings, the night before... We go to the same, uh, same block where we're gonna have the mass. Um, we have people go door to door, uh, telling people about the mass the next day, giving a little information about the parish, uh, seeing if they maybe have some questions, uh, if there's any, you know, we find out about people who are taking care of a sick parent that they would like to have them, somebody bring communion to. Um, we uh, find about children, people have just moved into the area, they wanna know something about the school. Um, it becomes a good means for us to, to talk to people and to, in our own way, evangelize and try to in- tell people of things about the parish and uh, invite them to come come back. Now, this year was still pretty risky to go door to door and invite yourself into people's homes or even talk to people at the door. But what we did do was to go out the night before and at least leaflet, you know, so you had a little flyer. Uh, we'd put it in their mailbox or in their door or uh, and, you know, we have a lot of three flats. Um, and so people would go, you know, to each floor. And um, if the door was open, take it to each floor and take it up to uh, just invite people to come to mass the next evening. And then um, as we we would always get there early. And so the mass would be at seven o'clock. But at six o'clock, we'd um, we'd start a rosary and um, we'd always have a, a speaker system there. So uh, as people are listening to people praying the rosary, they would um, be maybe a little uh, invited to um, be able to you know, participate in the rosary. Maybe, they've, maybe they want to come out themselves and, and pray the rosary with people. Um, then when the rosary was over, we'd start making announcements. We have a little bit of music that would be going on just to tell people the mass is going to start in 15 minutes or five minutes or whatever it might be, just to kind of encourage people to, to come. And it's amazing, there are a lot of people that come. I would say we normally have between 80 and 150 sometimes, uh, people that will come. And one of the things we, um, uh, we try to do is uh, not just really invite people uh, to come, but to invite people to come as a family. And at the end of the masses, we'd always ask all the children to come up. And we'd ask a blessing on the children, um, I see your father Jim here, my associate, uh, blessing all of the children here, because in our community there's a lot of violence um, and we want people to not feel not only feel safe but to uh, to be safe and to um, to know that uh, we're praying for them, we want them to have a good summer, we want them to enjoy their time off, we want them to um, be able to go out to. Uh, the parks are to bow out into the street and to be able to uh, be uh, safe um, and that their parents be safe also. So as uh, so that's very much a part of our um, our celebration as we we do it. And then we have people will bring out things that they want to have blessed. So people always <laughs> have another image of Our Lady of Guadalupe or a statue or a scapular or water that they want to have blessed or a crucifix and. And just asking people to, um, to bring those out, we put them on a table, we do a blessing there for all of those um, articles that people have also. And it's, it's a good way of just making a connection with people. Even as you see here, you see the, uh, the picture of Our Lady Guadalupe and then underneath it, I'm not sure who that is, but each of our, we have 10 sectors, we call them in the parish, and each of them are named after a, a particular saint. And so they'll have the image of that saint um be kind of the patron of that particular area, and so it might be uh it might be saint Augustine, it might be saint pius uh it might be um Saint Claire of assisi um, all of them have their own particular name and title so um and we have their their picture out there with our lady Guadalupe so
1: can do you mind This is awesome. I want to hear more. We're going to take a quick break. You have a lot of, of good things, so we're going to come back in a little bit.
2: You just have to cut me off. <laughs>
1: I'll cut you off. <laughs> Catholic Charities in Lake County provides a comprehensive range of social services supporting individuals, families, and older adults. These include crisis assistance, shelter, clothing, family support, counseling, legal assistance, primary health care, and specialized services for seniors and veterans. Grab and go meals and food pantries help those who are experiencing food insecurity, We have a diaper depot to support low-income families and their infants. If we can assist you or someone you know, please call Catholic Charities of Lake County at 847-782-4000, that's 847-782-4000. Good morning and we're back with Lifelong Journey, a radio program hosted by the Office of Lifelong Faith Formation in the Archdiocese of Chicago. Joining me this morning is Father Don Nevins and we were talking about the masses that happen on the streets of Little Village and kind of the the sectors and the saints. Uh, one of the questions I had in, you know, in all this that you're sharing with like setting up and and the audio system and the the flyers that are distributed it seems like this would take a little bit of, uh, of people power to kind of make sure that even as the masses themselves, you know, are outside, just to kind of get people there. It sounds like there's a, quite uh, an invitation from the parish to, to engage people in this whole process.
2: Right. And there is. That's a, that's a good point, because um, it does take some people power to be able to do this. Um, one of the things this year was a little, a little more difficult to get people who wanted to go out and the night before to pass out the leaflets. And I I completely understand it's, um, it's still dangerous. It's still, you go to a house, you don't know who's going to answer the door. If anybody's going to answer the door. Um, and, and, but our, our people were good. They were, um, um, they were protecting themselves. They were, um uh making sure that they did this just by passing out the flyers and not necessarily uh meeting with people. Um and so so there were fewer that did that, which meant that people had to take a little more uh time to get those flyers out. On the day of yeah it does take some uh organization. And we have a, a group called the Guadalupanos, so the um, kind of the Our Lady Guadalupe Society, you might say, who coordinate the the masses during the uh during the summer. It, we call it our summer parish mission. And, um, and what they do is, um, so they will have a couple of people who will come to pick up things from church before mass. So, um, we have an actual table that somebody made that has to be taken apart every, every time we, um, um, we have mass, which serves as the altar, um, pick up, uh, just vestments and, you know, the, the, the missile and, the uh water and wine, and hosts and things like that so there are a couple of people that will do that um pick that up every time um there uh we have at least one of our musicians will be responsible for the um um for the music that particular evening which means they really need to come by and pick up the um the speaker and um all the connections all the cable you need and um uh the microphones and things like that so that they can connect their Uh, Guitar to the um, uh, to the sound system, and um, you saw in that that uh, little video that you had there before. uh, You saw Alma in the back there uh, playing; she had her guitar and was playing for the mass. Um, And it does take some; it does take a commitment. It really does. Um, And I ask people to make a little more commitment this year because we have, like I said, we have ten sectors, and so we've always done ten street masses during the summer. But this summer I thought it was a little more, it was important that we do maybe even a little bit more. Mm. And so what I suggested, and the Guadalupanos went along with it, I said, why don't we take, we usually start about the second week of June. And so we're normally finished about the second or beginning of the third week of July. I said, how about if we extend them out to the rest of July? Which meant, I think five extra mass, five or six extra masses. And why don't we just put it out that anybody who would like to organize uh, their block for one of those masses, that we'd be willing to do it. And so, um, well, sure enough, they were all snapped up. They were. uh, So we did, I think, 15 masses instead of uh, 10 this year. And and what we obviously need a you need to have a host family that lives right there. We usually have set up the altar and stuff in the street right in front of their house. Partially because we need to get power from their house, and so you need to be able to connect to electricity so that you can have the the sound system working um, and so people are very good um, in the past we've always had a little uh, a little bit of a uh, kind of a gathering afterwards where we'd have uh maybe some uh some soda some water um maybe some little munchies. some people go much farther and they'll have maybe tamales, or they'll have tostadas, or they'll have um, even some tacos that they're uh, prepared for everybody that's there, anybody that wants to stay. This year, we tried to keep it very simple. Um, We didn't want people putting themselves at risk uh, of distributing food or anything like that. And so it was basically very simple. It was usually just water and maybe a bag of chips or something. uh, one of the other, one of the groups went a little bit overboard and we had tacos actually, and that was very nice, but, um, um, for the most part, it's, uh, uh, it, it was, it, we extended the number this year just because we wanted to get to more areas of the parish just to really invite people, tell them about, you know, you, you don't have to register to come to mass anymore. You don't have to, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to sit in a particular part of the church, um. It also gives us a time to make announcements, even about the school, about registration <laughs> for the school, about religious, yeah. religious education, um, RCIA. You know, we can bring all these things in, as well as more local things, which might have to do with, um, um, there was a, a small group here that was organizing a mural on a wall, remembering all of those of the neighborhood who have died of COVID. And um and getting some help on that, getting some information out about that. So it, it was really a way of for us to kind of extend um, the information, word about the parish and from the parish to the to the community, and also a way for people just to get together and to, to feel okay about being around with some people that you haven't seen for a long time. And you live in the same block, but you don't even see people, you know, so um, it's, um, It's it's been a very healthy thing and a very good thing, I think, for us.
1: Well, let's go ahead and take another quick break and we'll come right back.
2: Okay.
3: Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, Catholic Charities has continued to respond to the needs of people who come to us for assistance. More than 850,000 meals and food parcels have been offered to those who are struggling with food insecurity. Over 108,000 homelessness prevention hotline calls have been answered. Over 22,000 people have received mental health services and $2 million in financial assistance has been provided to keep people housed. If you or someone you know needs assistance, email us at gethelp at catholiccharities.net. That's gethelp at catholiccharities.net. Or call 312-655-7700. That's 312-655-7700. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here for you.
1: Morning, we're back with Lifelong Journey, a radio program hosted by the Office of Lifelong Faith Formation, and we've been talking about uh, the masses on the streets of a Little Village that happen every summer. And Father Don, I wanted to ask, you know, in in the in this past summer, one of the, um, you know, where specifically have you have you encountered Jesus in either preparing for these masses outdoors, or maybe in kind of the the masses themselves? Like, is there a particular story or an image that you have with this, you know, these past few months where you, it was just, it was very clear, you know, Jesus was very present.
2: Um, well, a couple a couple of things. One of the things I was thinking of is during the break there was, um, you know, we had more masses this year than we've ever had, and I think this is the first year that we didn't get rained out of any of them. Um, thinking of all the rain we had in July, <laughs> yeah. um, we got so lucky. <laughs> it was just a one of those um one of those kind of providential or serendipitous mm-hmm. things you know where um we had one time where it poured rain about a minute and a half after we finished um we actually had to get the speaker system underneath something to keep it dry for <laughs> because we were doing it. but i think one of the things that uh and it happens a number of times during the um uh during the street masses people that will come up to us afterwards and uh, just say that they're so appreciative that we came to their neighborhood. You know, it's like uh, look, uh, our neighborhood isn't that that large, you know. I mean, you can walk from one end to the other in 15 minutes probably. Um, but people where you live is where you live. And so um, they unless they make an effort uh, to come to church, they they kind of feel like they're they're kind of cut off from uh, from the church in some ways, and by going out, celebrating these masses and you know it really is interesting because every once in a while not so much this year but in past years we'll have moments where you're looking and you know these guys are gangbangers and they're uh, kind of on the periphery and they're just looking. Um, they're not going to participate because that would they'd lose face and I suppose if they did that but they were just interested in what we were doing and what was going on and and you know that sometimes those initial inroads are going to make um, make an impact later on but I, I think it's just it's very um, usual in some ways for people to come up to us and say i'm I'm so glad you were here I'm so glad you came here thank you for coming here um um I had, I had the opposite uh, a, a couple of years ago we had a guy came out after mass and we had set up basically not exactly in front of his house but in uh in front of the neighbor that was going to uh let us tap into their electricity and he was trying to do some work at home and he informed me very early that he's an atheist he did not believe in what we were doing. He was upset that we were in front of his house, and he hoped that we would never come back. <laughs> so I thought, well, I guess that's the other side. I guess that's um, that's what we got to accept also, that not everybody's going to come out. But it is interesting, you know, to see people that will just sit on their stairs. Um, they may not move from their stairs during the whole Mass, Um um, but they may, they may come out and decide they're gonna, they're gonna come out and receive communion, and um, we'll have people in wheelchairs that are are there, um, and it just is a, a wonderful thing to see people feel not only safe and comfortable, but uh, who really want to be a part of what we're, what we're doing and what we're, um, what's going on in some of these masses. So.
1: Do you have—that's uh, beautiful. Like, I love both of those those images and those stories. And I was wondering if, you know, if there's a, a scripture passage that that resonates with your heart, you know, when it comes time to, you know, your summer your summer mission or, you know, the masses on the street. It,
2: it, you know, I, I don't know if it's as much as a, a, a scripture passage that comes to me. is more of more the words of the Pope, Um You know, when he talks about, um, you gotta be with the sheep. Uh, The pastor has to be with the sheep. Um, And he talks about um, even how, you know, the the church really has to go out, is what he he keeps telling us over and over again. And I I think this is just one of those examples where we really do have to go out. Um, uh, Jesus sends the apostles out, sends those 72 disciples out at that one point, And they come back uh, all excited because they've seen things happen. They've seen people change. They've seen miracles take place. Um, And um, it's I think that's kind of what we see. And it's it's interesting to hear the Guadalupanos because they're mainly concerned with organizing things. (laughs) But people will come to them to talk to them because they they somehow see them as um, very much a part of what's going on. And so people will come to them and say, and like I said, once we made the offer that we would go to um, any of the blocks in the parish where we weren't already going to say a mass and uh, do a mass, it was like that. There was uh, probably the first day they, um, they had the rest of the masses filled up and they could give me a schedule of where we were going to be because people just um, – wanted to have a similar experience in front of their house, you know, and for some of their neighbors. And maybe they were going to reach out to tell people about, um, uh, about what they'd seen on another block and they wanted to bring it to our block. And so, um, so it was, it it really is a kind of a beautiful thing seeing the word spread person to person sometimes, um, because of what they've experienced, what they've been a part of. Yeah.
1: Well, we're going to take another break and we'll come right back.
5: So much waiting for you at Catholic Charities Senior Services. We offer programs and services to help make the most of every day. Friendships and fun are guaranteed at our drop-in senior centers. Our adult daycare centers offer enjoyment and greater supervision to seniors who need it while their caregivers get a break. Holy Family Villa provides a beautiful, safe environment for seniors looking for short or long-term residential facilities. And we offer assistance with senior benefits, care coordination, congregate and home delivered meals, hospital transition, and much more. For more than 100 years, we have accompanied seniors through every transition in their lives, and we are here for you now. Catholic Charities is a name and an agency you can trust. Call Senior Services today at 312-655-7700. That's 312-655-7700.
0: We've been together in
4: spirit and now when you are ready our doors are open wide Nuestras puertas están abiertas de par en par
2: Nasze drzwi są and we're here to welcome you back to Catholic Mass
1: Morning, and we're back with Lifelong Journey, a radio program hosted by the Office of Lifelong Faith Formation, and we've been talking a little bit about the street masses in Little Village and the community that comes out, the blocks, the Guadalupanos. I, you know, I've lived in Chicago for just about just over ten years, and this is this is a story and, and something that I, I know happens, and uh, this is the first time I've been able to to kind of talk about it via at least my radio program, and so I, I'm honored. Uh, you know, and a question I had, you know. One of the things that you alluded to was, you know, some of the violence that does, you know, tend to occur or that has happened, you know, especially in the community of Little Village. But the question I had was, you know, given the violence on the streets of Chicago, especially, you know, in the summer, in the summer months and even in in pockets like Little Village, you know, how important is it that the church is present and even like I would say unafraid to stand out there? Because as you just talked about in the last story, you know, sometimes you can observe, you know. Young people who, who might look on the on the fringes of gangs and and yet you know the church is still is still standing and, and, and maybe even in solidarity.
2: And that has been a um, a kind of a constant theme for our summer missions uh, every summer. That um, an end to violence is one of the things that we pray for. And um, I mentioned before we always bless the children at the end and um, uh, bless for their safety and that they, that they can enjoy the summer and not have to feel like they have to stay inside because it's too dangerous to go outside. And, um, I think, you know, I suppose when I first came here, I might've been a little fearful of what might happen or if there was, um, you know, if there were going to be gangbangers around or uh, would we be threatened or things like that. But to tell you the truth, I, I don't even think about that anymore. It's, um, um, I know we're going to say the masses. I know we um, we have good relationships with people. the The neighbors are there who are the ones inviting us. There are, are certain people that are always going to come, um, and uh, it's always been peaceful. Um, it, and I think one of the things we want to do is show that things don't have to be violent. Um, mm-hmm. Our Our community doesn't have to be. Um, Looking at the, uh, you know, the the kind of um, uh, violence or or feeling like you have to be afraid or you have to be protected um, all the time that we can go out to do the the kind of things we need to do and and to not be afraid um, and I, I think that's um, that's one of our keys and I as I said we always wind up praying for um, uh, for the children and for for peace in our community. Uh, it's it's older people as well, um, and who are concerned. I mean, they don't want to have to be constricted to their homes all the time just because they uh, are afraid to go out or afraid of what might happen. And um, for the most part, we always one of the things we always, when you get the, the permit to close the street, you always have to uh, go through the alderman's office. And the alderman is very good about um, informing the police department also and so, very often, there will be a a police presence at one or other end of the block. Um, it's never really been something that has been a uh, a big issue, um, and and maybe maybe because they're present, it's not a big issue. But it's um, uh, it is a um, a kind of a, a security blanket in a sense for us to know that um, we are um, be able to celebrate. We can we can be there uh, personally. We can be a part of things and um, it be a sign that uh, our, our neighborhood doesn't have to be violent. It doesn't have, you don't have to be afraid.
1: Um, or even I imagine, especially given, you know, the time that we've had during COVID, you know, even as a sign of hope for, for people who, you know, I imagine communities who've lost loved ones, you know, we are talking about the mural of, of the people who, um, who have passed in COVID-19. And so, you just even maybe that, that sign of hope that people need that, you know, there's, 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 there's people there praying and standing and, and just being together.
2: It, it, yeah, exactly. And I, I think, um, you know, one of the things that we're very aware of here is that for about two months or so last year, um, our zip code was the, um, worst in the state as far as COVID infections. Um, I don't know if we were the worst, the, the worst in deaths, but, I mean, we had a lot of uh, COVID cases here and a lot of deaths. Um, and um, it was it would be kind of depressing because you'd hear these sirens and, you know, you begin to make the distinction between the ambulance sirens and the police or the fire sirens. And and you know it's an ambulance and you know it's somebody who was um, probably a COVID patient. and probably has died um, um, it, we were pretty hard hit um, and so for people I think I think that just makes it all the the more important for us to be able to get out it was important for us to get out this summer and be able to celebrate the masses again to say that um, yes we are uh, we we're doing our best to protect ourselves but it seems to be safe to come out and, and celebrate the mass together outdoors and and to bring your family and to bring be with your neighbors and to um, you know, as you saw there in some of those videos, you could see kind of people all over, you know. And so some people are right in front of the altar. Many people are right in front of their homes, uh, on the sidewalks, um, standing, sitting, kneeling, whatever they might be doing, um, just because they want to be there. And and I think this year especially it was important that we um, were able to provide the opportunity for people to get together and even, you know, 100 people to... Um, to realize that this was uh, a good opportunity to kind of make connections with people again and see people again. So,
1: I thought that was really beautiful that you said, you know, you basically, every, I mean, it rained a lot in July. I, I The fact that you didn't get <laughs> rained on once, I'm like, how is that possible? Because I think it was raining... It felt like, uh, I, I don't know, like 28 of the 31 days So that stuff. That's right.
2: And we just seemed to have this time between about 6 and 8 where we got away with it. You know, it would rain all day, and then we kind of said, are we going to say the mass or not? Well, yeah, it looks like it's okay to get started. And shortly after we get finished, it would start to pour rain again. And so um, we were just really blessed. We really were. And we almost every year we will have at least one mass rained out Um and we usually reserve at least one extra day at the end of our, our ten days, uh, our ten dates, um, just in case we have to do a, a makeup. This year we didn't have to do any makeups, so it was it was wonderful. It was, we were really blessed. So,
1: uh, earlier you talked about you know uh, you know pa- Pope Francis talking about you know smelling like the sheep and, and kind of you know being being among the people and and where else would you say in you know either you know church teaching church document or any other you know, I love Pope Francis, and I love his Pope quotes, would you say, you know, you turn to or you lean on, especially as, you know, uh, as you're continuing to do some of these masses?
2: Well, I think the whole idea of, of mission, I mean, um, it, if we want to call ourselves disciples, and if we really think of who the disciples of Jesus were, they weren't just the ones that kind of tagged along and listened, but they were the ones that were sent out. And, um they were supposed to share the good news. I mean, that was part of the idea of being a disciple. And if, um, and so for uh, for the disciples of Jesus, you know, the 72 that were sent out that I mentioned from scripture, but there were many others. And, and you think of even after the resurrection, how could people not be inspired and want to tell people about what they witnessed when they, when they see Jesus, you know? Um, how could they want to keep that to themselves? everybody wants to say something about it. And so I think, um, for, um, for us, I think the, the whole idea, and and we even call it our summer parish mission, um, that it really is meant to be uh, not just to celebrate the mass, but to reach out and to invite people to, uh, let people know, let people know that we're coming, that we're going to be there the next day, but let them know a little bit about the parish too, and, and see, you know, you've got small children, maybe you're thinking about the school, maybe you're thinking about religious education, maybe you need to even get the children baptized, you know? Um, and, you know, just to be able to tell people of how you go about that or have a, give them something in their hand where they can just read that and know it and, and feel like somebody cares, you know? Um, Let me... Somebody cares about them.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna cut you off. We're gonna take another okay. break. We'll come right back. Okay. Our veterans have served our
3: country, and it is our privilege to serve them. To learn more about Catholic Charities Veterans Services and the Veterans Computer Project, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219.
1: Lifelong Journey, a radio program hosted by the Office of Lifelong Faith Formation, and we've been talking about we've been talking to Father Don Nevins and talking about the street masses and, and little village and and right before we transition to break, uh, Father Don, you were talking about you know sometimes um, when when you're you're doing these masses, it's an opportunity to really connect with families, especially if they've got young children, and maybe it's an invitation to either the school or the religious ed or even, you know, sacraments, you know, and is that a, a common story perhaps people will come out to the mass and then say, Oh, there's a church in the neighborhood. I need one of many sacraments or, or schools or something like that.
2: You know, it's, um, it will probably be amazing to many people. It's not amazing to me anymore, but it's, um, how many families will just wait and wait and wait before they baptize a child. Um, And, uh, you know, I think, (laughs) I think I was probably baptized when I was a few weeks old or maybe a couple of months old, but um, it's just so common to see people wait three, four, five, six years before they, before they baptize a child. And if someone goes to them and says, well, here's, here's what we do. And I mean, we have baptisms on these days and uh, here's all you have to do to sign up for it. And, um, and all of a sudden it makes it, like an invitation that people will all of a sudden say, well, maybe we should do something about this. Maybe this is now the time, or maybe, maybe we'll baptize both of our kids now, you know, instead of uh, waiting for another year to do one of them and then wait for another one. Um, I think there are, uh, it, it happens regularly. And we have um, um, one of our kind of a recruiter from the school will come to a lot of the masses and should say a little bit. And then, um, and then be available afterwards for people who want to find out find out more about the school and she'll tell them about scholarship possibilities she'll tell them about uh, you know aid that they can get and if that's not a possibility well then here's religious ed and it's important that you educate your children in the faith and so um how are you going to do that so um so it does it, it gives us an opportunity to let let people very informally ask questions um feel comfortable about doing it and not feeling there's any pressure. So, so that's, uh, that's, that's, that's been helpful. Mm-hmm.
1: That, no, that's great. Uh, so we have just about two minutes left, uh, for those, uh, people who are listening, watching, you know, if they want to find out more about your parish, you know, where locationally, where can we find you? Website, social media, even mass times, all that good stuff. Share it with us.
2: So uh, yeah, so we do have, uh, the parish website, um, which, um, um, okay, what is it? It's uh, I think it's uh, St. Agnes-Central at artschicago.org um, because in the past there had been other St. Agneses, and it's not St. Bohemia; It's just St. Agnes-Central because we're on Central Park. So, um, so the website, you can get a lot of information there. Um, the parish is located at uh, basically 27th and Central Park, Um, uh, here in Little Village. Uh, Central Park is 3600 West um, and right off of 26th Street. And so, uh, as I said, 26th Street is a a kind of a bustling Mexican um, uh, merchant area. Um, And so, um, if you're coming down, you want to get some Mexican food or you want to looking for supplies and and things you want to to get um, with a little taste of Mexico, especially as Mexican Independence Day is coming up, um, you may want to come by and we have a lot of masses. Um, our Sunday schedule is 7:30, uh, 9, 10:30, 12, 1:30, 4:30, and 7:30.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, yeah.
2: The 10:30 is in English. The 7:30 in the morning is bilingual. All the rest are in Spanish. So.
1: That. <laughs> That is, that is quite a lot of masses. Even in pandemic, the fact that you I have the capacity and and the there's people in the community who are desiring. That's I laughed. I was like, that's a lot. That's amazing, though. That 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 definitely keeps you busy. Uh, Father Don, it has been such a pleasure uh, to have you on to talk about you know the area of Little Village, the masses, and even the community. And it's really been a gift for me just just to listen and witness in this way.
2: Well, very good. Thank you. Thank you. And it's been a pleasure also. And uh, maybe it'll give somebody a, in some parishes an opportunity to say something to their pastor about, why don't we try to so, do something like this? You know, I mean, it's, it's not that difficult. Um, so Thank it can you be so- done. It can be done. So.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, this has been Lifelong Journey and Clarissa hintero uh, We look forward to catching up with you next month. In the meantime, have a good day.